Welcome back to Catherine's Corner. If this is your first episode, welcome. My name is Kirsten and you're listening to A Quiet Corner of the Internet where we talk about our feelings and thoughts and how we can grow into better humans. Make sure to follow and subscribe to the show wherever you like to listen from to never miss an episode every Thursday. And if you want to stay updated on the show or just me in general, I'm at Catharaxia everywhere that matters. Type it into Google and I'll be right there. C-A-T-H-A-R-A-X-I-A. Hi, I hope you're doing well. It's been like a solid week since school has been out for me. I'm feeling much better than last week, thank goodness. It's kind of windy outside. It's not looking very wintry over here, like at all. Um, you know, global warming and whatnot, or more accurately, climate change and whatnot. It just feels like fall, like you drive around. I mean, the days are shorter, and that's the only thing that lets you know it's winter, but it still feels like fall. It's very strange. Very strange way to experience Christmas time. I don't even think we'll end up getting snow, which is so strange to think about, but it do be like that. (laughs) It do be like that sometimes, but I hope you're doing all right. I hope the time you're spending with loved ones and family is good and not draining. I hope you're not stressed over putting presents together. I hope you just have a very nice Christmas time. If not Christmas time, maybe you celebrate Hanukkah, have a very nice Hanukkah time. If Hanukkah is still happening, I'm really bad at keeping track of that sort of thing. Or a nice Kwanzaa, if you celebrate that as well. Or maybe you're like, absolutely not for any of them. And I hope you have a nice week. <laughs> I hope this week is just a grand old time. Yeah. But we're chilling here. Today, I wanted to talk about a topic that's kind of been on my mind a bit as I've been decompressing. Um, which is fear. Yeah, think of this episode as the sister episode to Anxiety's a Bitch. (laughs) That being said, let's talk fear. So, as I talked about things last week, this semester kind of fucked my shit up. For, it just, ooh, like, we've... The way I just, I don't even know how to like make it sound cute because it's just so bad, but it messed me up real bad. So I've been reflecting on like what went wrong, what needs to change and whatnot. And one part of my reflection that I'd like to share with you today is my changing perspective on fear. To me, fear and anxiety are like the broadiest cousins known to man. As Tyler Joseph from 21 Pilots once wrote, fear leads to anxiety. Um, And one of my favorite, least favorite songs from Blurry Face. But I mean, the man has a point. Fear often can be connected to anxiety. And I would say for me, most of my stress and anxiety could easily be traced back to specific moments of fear. What I will not say is that anxiety is always caused by fear because that's like the crazy thing about anxiety um especially of the extremely maladaptive variety is that sometimes it just happens for absolutely no reason 
with absolutely no like trigger connected to it you just feel a wave of anxiety you can't pinpoint where it's coming from or why or what it's traced to which i've experienced as well and it sucks but most of the time when i'm like not deep in it i can place my anxiety to a specific fear that i'm experiencing at the time that i'm struggling with but a lot of my anxiety related to fear is placed with irrational fears like failure or loneliness, fear of imperfection, fear of danger. And the funny thing about anxiety and fear is that they're kind of like annoying high school debate kids. Follow me, children. Let me explain this metaphor to you because it's been helping me a lot. So, Fear and anxiety are like annoying high school debate kids to where we know that they ain't shit. <laughs> they have no real basis for their claims. They have no true power. They just happen to take sources and put them together and present them as something. So if you've ever done like actual debate or even like a class debate is close enough, but like an actual debate, you'll form like a case based on a topic and you'll collect all these different sources together, put them in a file or a file on your computer, which is much easier, but put them all together to pull up as you debate. So this person will say this point and you'll be like, I was ready with sources for this point. Let me pull up my exact argument for this point with all the sources to reference so I'm legitimate. That's what a high school debate kid's like, essentially. So where anytime you have a point about something, they'll immediately have a point to counteract it. (laughs) Which is so annoying. (laughs) And the funny thing is, even the best debate kids, which my friend, top 10 debater, my two cousins, literally the best debaters in the state of Kansas during the time they were doing it. They're really fucking good at getting those counterpoints to sound effective and to be retrieved quickly. Very similarly to how fear and anxiety can work. But like fear and anxiety, even though, sure, they have a point, the case they make during the round, while during the round, it makes so much sense and you're like, well shit, I don't know anything. They made so many good points. I guess this is how we solve the freaking China, America crisis relations issues and whatnot, right? They have all the answers, they had all their critiques ready, all their sources ready, blah blah blah, they must know. And then you sit back and remember that these are a bunch of high schoolers and all their information is coming through sources that are like maybe a little bit better than Google. And like, it's an unfair playing field when it comes to anxiety and fear playing this debate because anxiety and fear they have access to all the scholarly papers and all the primary documents and they know they know their shit they know how to sound convincing when you're arguing back and forth about whether or not you should text this person back whereas all you have to use as a source is freaking google and you can't even access the websites you can only look at the headlines on the google search results and hope that's good enough It's unfair. It's an unfair playing field. And you're not a skilled debater, and that's fine. But, like 
an actual high school debater just because, sure, they make a good point, doesn't mean that it holds any real value. And when it's that situation, it's easy to kind of look at that and be like, sure, in this context, you know your shit. But in the real world, does you knowing that really even matter? Does what you present hold any real value into the reality of things? Like, sure, this could theoretically work, but that doesn't mean it will. So why should we listen to you? When there's so many other perspectives to consider, why should we listen to the little anxiety debate kid in the back of our brain explaining why, I don't know, this assignment that you're trying to get done just is too impossible to take on, so why don't we just crawl into bed and scroll through Twitter? Why should we listen to them? Sure, their case is strong, but like, who cares? <laughs> and I know that's a very simplistic way of looking at it, since like, sometimes anxiety is very complicated. But I like the metaphor because to me it encompasses the idea of how fear isn't a complete bullshitter, but it also doesn't hold real, real weight in actuality 100% of the time. And this realization has helped me sift through some thought patterns of that kind of back and forth. But pushing anxiety and fear to the side doesn't fix anything, which is what I have also realized, which brings me to the real lesson for today that I want to share with you. And it's a lesson that I've kind of put off from my brain for years. And it's that you gotta love your fear. You gotta love your anxiety. And isn't that like the stupidest shit you've ever heard in your life? Because that's what I felt when I first heard it. But it's, it's true. You, you gotta learn to love your fear. Because we often look at negative traits like fear or depression, for example. And I mean depression as in the state of emotion, not as in clinical depression. Fear, depression anger even, as these very negative traits and emotions that are completely useless or toxic parts of ourselves that we need to cut away completely, but that doesn't make sense because we're not an algorithm, we're not robots, we're a human person, and the way that we've evolved our traits, except for like maybe our wisdom teeth or something, or our appendix, what's up with that? But for the most part, most of our traits that we have, good, bad, or somewhere in the middle, are there for a reason. They can be coping mechanisms. They can be survival tactics. They can be correctional tactics, coping mechanisms with something like laziness, you know? Like, there are gonna be times when you need to, like, really lean into that sloth state to recover your energy. Anxiety helps with survival, to an extent. In healthy doses, it can help with survival, no? If we weren't terrified at the prospect of crashing every time we go out to drive, we would be much more reckless when driving, even more than we already are. You know, then correctional stuff, right? 
The funny thing with something like depression, right, is that at its worst and most maladaptive state, it can tear you down limb from limb. But when you strip back that maladaptive mode of depression of that hypercriticalness, the step before that is just self-awareness, isn't it? It's the, hey, I didn't really like how I did that thing, or hey, that look doesn't really work for me, maybe I should try this thing instead. And when these traits become maladaptive is when they prevent us from being our best selves and being a person. That's the line that we often forget about when we look at these negative traits, but that doesn't mean we just cut it away or shut it down. It means we really analyze what's going on there. (laughs) And fear is no different, like I've kind of gotten at earlier. So let's take a break. And when we come back, we'll talk more about how fear serves us and how we might find more balance living with it. Because that's what we're aiming for, balance. I'm not saying like, you know what, just love and light. Just embrace what scares you. And like, if you just do that, I promise you'll never be anxious again. Because bitch, if that worked, do you think we'd be sitting here talking about this right now? No! (laughs) That's not what I'm saying at all. But I think this is something to consider when dealing with things like anxiety and just fear of the unknown. So, let's take a quick break, hear from our sponsor, and then I'll talk about favorites, and then we'll talk more about fear. Alright homies, how's it hanging? <laughs> Did you enjoy our little sponsor? A little sponsor. Anyways, let's jump into these favorites, shall we? So for my first favorite, I have my Barnes and Noble visit. I don't think I've mentioned this on the pod before. I've mentioned it on YouTube vaguely. But I used to work at Barnes and Noble before COVID happened. And I worked as a barista, it was a grand old time, but before I worked there, and part of why I decided to work there is, I just love Barnes & Noble, because I'm a little book nerd who likes quiet, but also is scared of the library for reasons we don't have time to get into. But I like going to Barnes & Noble to just like browse books and relax sometimes whenever I'm able to go, but I've been avoiding it because the Barnes & Noble closest to me I worked at and I've been scared to enter because I'm afraid I'll see people that I used to work with and they'll be like, haha, I don't work here anymore. And um, I understand that's an irrational fear and it's very ironic that I'm saying this considering the topic of the episode. But you know, while this is an irrational fear, um, I'm gonna listen. And you're like, yeah, I mean, that's valid. It's uncomfortable, it's awkward. And um, maybe there'll be a day where I'll be like, you know what, I need to get over this. But I don't have to. And um, getting to visit a different Barnes & Noble farther away from me isn't that much of a burden because I get to drive on a pretty little scenery. I also like that location more because there's more books and it's just organized a bit better. Actually, it's not. It's organized like a maze, but I like that. I like that maze quality it has. But it was fun just browsing around for like an hour and a half looking at books. 
and getting some inspiration for stuff and stuff to possibly read. And yeah, it was a grand old time. And I was driving around like sunset time too, which was nice. <sighs> sunset. But that was my first favorite. And to tie it to the topic of the day, since I keep forgetting to do that this season, I don't know why, but tied to the topic of the day, I've actually been putting it off because I don't know why, but I still have that issue of like going to places alone. Because it is kind of scary to go to places alone, especially when you're not familiar with the area. That always makes me kind of nervous. And like, even though people don't care that you're shopping alone, it does always feel a bit weird, doesn't it? But I'm glad I did it. It was a surprisingly meditative experience. And I would like to do it many more times while I am here and in the future. <laughs> Just visiting places and browsing around and seeing what happens. Second on my list of favorites, under the theme of beer, um, some room arranging. Because I kind of realized that um, my room is holding some bad juju from the semester. So I was like, I like I want to like, just like shift some stuff around, but I don't know how. And usually when I get overwhelmed like that, I kind of just shut down and then go into sleep mode. But I powered through that <laughs> and uh, did some rearranging of some stuff, which I think shifted the vibes of the room a very good amount because it does feel different. I reset up my CD player so now I can listen to my CDs even though I think I accidentally broke her or now that I'm thinking about it, I think it might have just been broken already because of like some dust that settled in there I think it's messed with the sensors or something so I'd have to take it apart and put it back together which I'm scared of doing but I will overcome that at a later time when it is more convenient for me to be overcoming that and messing up my CD player without the guarantee that I can put it back together Ooh. <laughs> I did that, hung up some wall art, which I've also been putting off because I don't want to mess with the walls that have just been painted. But yeah, I finally did it, and I'm happy that I did because it feels more like my room now and less like I'm still stuck in my high school room, which is good. And finally, for favorites of the day, the album sessions. I've been doing this thing recently that I would highly encourage you to do, um, even if you're not a big music fan, just because I think it's just a good way to break pattern, but I've been like just randomly picking albums to listen to, not completely randomly, usually based off artists that I like or people similar to artists that I like. So I'll like pick an album on Spotify and then I'll listen to it like top to bottom because that's how albums are meant to be listened to. And then like save it if I liked it and if I didn't then I don't save it and move on. But I've been able to find like a lot of new artists, appreciate artists who like I knew one or two songs of and now I've like actually listened more to their discography which is nice. And you know like it is a certain level of commitment that comes with doing that. That can be a bit overwhelming, but in the end, it usually works out. So, just so you have an idea of what kind of music I've been listening to, I've been listening to a lot of alternative, like indie, rock, pop stuff. Um, so there's not going to be a lot of like R&B, rap, that sort of vibe on here. Sorry about it. No, I'm not. But 
<laughs> some albums I've been listening to are Oh My Heart, um, if you're a Mother Mother fan, Nightmare Vacation, the new Rico Nasty album, It Was Only Being Yourself, which I would just look up. I can't remember the group's name, but they're good. It's like a, that one's more of like a R&B soul vibe. A Girl Cried Red, which is Princess Nokia's like alt album which all her albums are alt, but that's more like alt, rock, indie, that side of music. Lonely Diamond by, I think it's Ocean Alley. They're an Australian band. If you're a fan of The Strokes and like Mute Math, you would like them a lot. Um, For Emma Forever Ago, which is like an old Bonnie Bear album, since I've been listening to folklore a lot. Um, it's been in my CD player, so I was like, let me listen to Bon Iver. I mean, Bon Iver, because I'm a, I'm cultured, I know how that's pronounced, I think, I don't know. Do any of us know what, how anything is pronounced? Anyways, and then finally, is this it, just like the first Strokes album, which is funny because I recommended it to a friend, but like I haven't listened to it top to bottom closely before, but I finally got around to doing that. Sometimes I'll listen to albums randomly without like thinking about it, but this time I was more like intentional with listening to it top to bottom, and it doesn't disappoint, because why would it? It's the strokes. But that's all the favorites I have for you today. Let's get back to talking about fear. So, fear. What's the point? I kind of got at that earlier, but in case you need a reminder, fear keeps us alive. <laughs> it's like a basic survival instinct to be scared of things, because if we're never scared of anything ever, we kind of end up in more danger, don't we? <laughs> so fear can be healthy in that regard. It's our brain's way of evaluating possibilities to protect our ego as well as like an extension of keeping us alive. Because fear is really just our brain trying to protect us either physically or like, oh, well, I don't want to do that in a fail because then, you know, it kind of hurts your ego a bit, doesn't it? When you're not doing well at something. Where if you're rejected, it hurts your ego. So fear protects our ego as well as our body. Because if you don't have a lot of ego, or if you don't have any ego, is a better way to phrase it. That's not good either, because that usually indicates depression. So, ego is healthy in moderation. Another thing fear is very good for is it's a perfect signal for distress and discomfort, which is like a duh kind of thing. But I think beyond that, it could be used either way, like A, we need to avoid this because it's uncomfortable or alarming, or this is uncomfortable and alarming for me, maybe it's something I need to take on. So when we're more in tune with our fear and what it's directed at and why, it can help us sort of discern how to then respond to it. And this is really good for us. I think the issue with fear and anxiety is often the voice of anxiety especially can mesh with our intuitive voice because our intuition is like that gut feeling right like oh i feel like i should wear a coat today or like oh i feel like i should talk to that person or i ought to do this you know it's that sort of sense of obligation we have by nature or that 
it's the gut feeling. That's the best way to describe it. But sometimes our gut feeling and our fight or flight response get matched together. I think because they're kind of in the same area, but as an exception of that, sometimes they align. Our fear and intuition can be on the same page, you know? Like, don't walk down dark alleys at night. Your fear is like, don't do that. The dark is scary. I think someone's gonna try and kill us if we go in the dark. Then your intuition's like, yeah. I don't know, just it's giving me a weird vibe. <laughs> so they're on the same page. And then other times, our fear can yank the microphone away from intuition and scream a bunch of bullshit that has nothing to do with intuition at all. Like, you're gonna die alone or no one will love you. That's not intuitive. <laughs> like, like, oh, if you wear this particular thing, then everyone's gonna think you're a freak and blah, 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 blah. Like, that's not your intuition talking. That's the anxiety talking. Intuition might be like, uh, maybe don't wear that crop top because it's cold outside. <laughs> that's, that's not anxiety. That's intuition. And while it's easy to like laugh and be like, well, no shit. When you're in the moment, it's easy to forget the difference between the two. And that's why the emphasis of today is learning to embrace fear versus running from it. Because when we learn to actually listen to our fear, which I know sounds counterintuitive, but follow me here. When we listen to our fear closely, we begin to recognize the difference between fear and intuition. If I feel like twins are a really good example of this. So we're using all sorts of analogies and metaphors today. See, this is how you know we're actually talking, because this is just how I talk. <laughs> it's just convoluted metaphors and analogies to get my point across. But in metaphor number three of five, <laughs> Between like distincting fear from intuition, I feel like it's the same way people learn to tell the difference between twins. When you first meet a pair of identical twins, you can't tell who's who. You can't. If they're truly identical, you won't know the difference. But the more you hang out with identical twins, the more you begin to spot the difference between them, whether it's mannerisms, the way they speak, the way they stand, the way they walk, that sort of thing. Fear and intuition are the exact same way. So where fear and intuition at first glance have the same look, because sometimes they align the exact same way, just like twins will. But the more you get to know them, the more you realize, well, fear tends to talk a lot about like my insecurities. <laughs> and then my intuition is usually like tuned into my perception and so on and so forth. Because it is a bit different for everyone, right? Because everyone has different fears and anxieties. But if we always try and push them to the side, then we never learn to really tell the difference. And the same goes for intuition. If you're only ever listening to your anxiety and fear, and you don't take the steps to become more in touch with your intuition, then you're going to begin to mesh them together. So it's a two for two deal. You gotta learn to listen closely so you can tell that difference. And when your fear is talking to you and your intuition is talking to you. And so go on with the idea of embracing fear. 
Anna Akana, an excellent YouTuber and creator, actress, general. She has this great video about this whole idea of embracing fear and anxiety, where she characterizes anxiety as a gem in her gem collection of emotions, and we often try and get rid of the gem instead of listening to it and allowing it to be heard. Our anxiety and fear is still us, which I think we forget a lot. I feel like a lot of times when people talk about things like anxiety and depression, they characterize it as this external force or this uncontrollable force. To a certain extent, that is correct. That is a correct assessment. <laughs> Mainly because like no part of us is fully in our control, but that's beside the point. But what we often forget is that, at the end of the day, our anxiety is still a part of us. Our depression is still a part of us. Those thoughts, anxiety thoughts you have, are rooted back in you. So the more you try and push a part of yourself away, it's just going to manifest somewhere else. And oftentimes with anxiety, or at least for me, I can feel that my anxiety is just a baby version of myself that just wants nothing more than to be safe and cared for. And when I try and push it aside or overindulge it, then it creates this really imbalanced relationship. And when I take the time to actually hear out what it's saying, be like, okay, I hear you. I hear what you need. Then we're able to get somewhere. Because it's a parenting process. It all comes back to the inner child thing, right? Like sometimes, all, what you need from a parent is someone to just hold you and tell you that everything's going to be okay and protect you. And sometimes you need someone to like nudge you and be like, actually, we really need to do this thing. You can do it. I know you feel this way, but try it. See if this works. I promise we'll be okay. And of course it's not always that easy, but at the baseline, it is still a place to start. So personally, I've tried to start visualizing my anxiety as like a deer pup, I think that's what it's called. It's uh, this like fictional character in the show Helda on Netflix, I would highly recommend. Um, and it's her pet twig. And he's so fluffy and cute, and it's funny because Twig is actually like a protective figure, and Hilda actually, that makes sense now that that's why I visualize it the way it does. So I imagine Twig, and anytime my anxiety starts to like peak up a lot, and I'm aware of it, I'll like imagine him like bouncing around or something, so we'll like take a moment and be like, okay, let's think through, what are you trying to say right now? Oh, like, oh, you don't want to leave the house today because it'd be inconvenient well can we like talk about why you actually don't want to leave the house today like okay why have you been putting off texting that person why don't you want to show up to this event let's talk through that and then see where we can work from there you gotta listen to your fear and work from there because again it's still you it may not be your best version of you, but it's still you. And when we antagonize a part of ourselves, it just makes that part hide in the shadow somewhere and manifest in a different way. It doesn't go away. That's not how that works. 
So listen to yourself. Be kind to yourself, even the parts of yourself you don't like. I'll link the Anaconda video in the show's description, in this episode's description, I mean. I would highly recommend watching it in her other videos. She's an excellent creator. And I hope you consider this as you continue moving forward in your journey and what. With that being said, it's time for me to leave you, my dears. But first, a breathing exercise to calm ourselves down, shall we? Alright. In, two, three, four, hold, two, three, four, out, two, three, four, five, six, in, two, three, four, hold, two, three, four, out, two, three, four, five, six, in, two, three, four, hold, two, three, four, out, two, three, four, five, six. Before you go, Remember to follow or subscribe to the show wherever you like to listen from to receive future episodes. This podcast is available to listen to on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor FM, Stitcher, and more. And if you want to stay updated on the show or just me in general, I'll be at Catharaxia everywhere that matters. You're amazing and doing what you can. Take care, and I'll see you here next week on Cather's Corner.